Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, the Business Creators Radio Show comes to you from my sumptuous balcony here in sunny, hot Las Vegas, Nevada. One of the beautiful parts of what we do here is we take a bit of a from-the-field approach. I don't have a $30,000 studio in my house or anything like that because I recognize that, like you, I'm a person who has a lot of things going on and isn't necessarily glued to one place. We as business creators are dynamic people in motion. So we're going to roll with that. Today's topic is something that is not only of interest to me personally these days, but is also more and more of interest from our listeners who ask questions about this and who have responded to a couple of similar interviews we've had on different approaches to the topic of business wealth building. This one is about how to create your business lending blueprint. And to share with us today, we have somebody named Oz Konar, who you are really going to enjoy hearing from. Oz is a a passionate entrepreneur and multiple seven-figure business owner whose mission is to help people design and build their dream businesses. His mission is to revolutionize the alternative lending industry. Oh, do I have some stories about the traditional lending industry? I may end up sharing one during our conversation. And he's doing this one business loan broker at a time. Oz's training program, which is called the Business Lending Blueprint, has been the most comprehensive success guide focusing on leverage, low risk, high reward, and speed. Oz Konar, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam. How's it going? Couldn't be better if you paid me a million dollars. But you know what? You should try it just to test that theory. See what happens. I'll think about it. Why not? (laughs) All right. I read off your official biography. It's fantastic stuff. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here and it's my episode. Uh, So, but at any rate, we like to do before we dive in, I know you have some great stuff for us today. Tell us a bit about your journey or your story and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. I would say a lot of failures, honestly, not intentional, but just, you know, how it works, right? When you are, when you define yourself as an entrepreneurial person, it just comes with the package. Um, So I didn't know that I was entrepreneurial for a long time. I just, uh, you know, found myself in places of me selling stuff to other people from like flea markets to New York City, uh, open markets and whatnot. And ended up in, in, in a college and got, you know, double, did the double major in biology and chemistry, totally unrelated. Then um, got depressed noticing in my fifth year that, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, right? <laughs> and then start another business that really didn't work out. 
then I noticed that the, the reason businesses really do not work out is because people usually do not understand how to market it. They usually have bright ideas. They just don't know how to acquire customers. That led me to start a marketing agency. Then from that, I was still, I still had a corporate job. Then I came across alternative lending, I think, which we're going to talk a great deal about. I uh, worked as a business loan broker, uh, made a lot of money doing that, then combined my marketing expertise with that industry specific knowledge, then created what you, as you mentioned, the business lending blueprint. So that's a little summary of my, my journey, a lot of bumps in the road and finally built um, a multi, currently it's an eight figure business with only a few employees. So because we do things really lean uh, but yeah, a lot of learning, still learning a lot, getting mentorship coaching from uh, people who are at better places than I am. It's a journey, but I, I couldn't be happier that I, I started, even though I stumbled into it. You know, it's funny how our actual life trajectories sometimes take a different path from where we thought we were going to go in college. You, in, you mentioned your uh, double major, which had a lot to do with science type things. Mm-hmm. I, when I went to college at Penn State for my undergrad, I had a major in political science with a minor in Middle East studies wow. and, an, and a paper minor in history. The reason I, I call it a paper minor is because between the poli sci and the Middle East stuff, I took enough classes that were also part of the history curriculum that all I had to do to complete that history minor was sign a piece of paper. So, hey, I'm paying <laughs> for it. Why not? Now, I also was almost a fifth year type student because I added an extra semester. I started college a little bit younger than most people and you know, going to Penn State, I needed more time in the bars. That, that's just, that's just uh, you know, you can't go to Penn State and not party. It just doesn't work. Even if you don't drink alcohol, even if you don't like football, uh, you got to be able to get the most out of the experience. And it is an experience. So I, I was one of those ninth semester people. I was a poli-sci major because it had been my childhood dream to become an attorney. I'll tell you why mm. in a second. My final semester, I attended a seminar that was taught by one of the adjunct professors in the Dickinson School of Law, which is affiliated with Penn State. He was charismatic. He was mesmerizing. You hung on his every word. He spoke with so much brilliance and so much passion about corporate law. I listened to him for three hours. I did not even daydream for half a second. Every word had an impact on me. Like it was every single word. Mm. And by the time he was done, even though he and I did not directly interact, he had reached into my soul and he had said, run the hell away from law. This is not for you. (laughs) So I'm about to graduate with no freaking idea what I'm going to be when I grow up. So, uh, so long story short is I uh, had a couple jobs that were really crummy, one of which was so bad that I celebrate the day that I was forced to resign from it as my second birthdays I wrote about in uh, one of my books. I uh, went to Duquesne University, got an MBA in human resource management. I had a dream of being a training development director for a Fortune 100. Instead, I got involved in support work for training and development firms, started my own company, jumped out, and then I moved into what ultimately ended up being podcasting. Mm. So interesting story there. Now, as far as the present, as far as the the lawyer thing, part of what made me want to be an attorney is I had a childhood dream of being president of the United States. And somehow I got convinced that being an attorney, that all the presidents had been attorneys. And it turned out that isn't the fact. And I'll just 
because I, I geek out on history, I'll just entertain our listeners very briefly. Let's go through the presidents of my lifetime and we'll show you how flawed my theory was. I was born in 1976, so the first president of my lifetime was Gerald Ford. He was a former model and football player who ran for Congress. Then after him, we had Jimmy Carter, who was a Navy veteran and a peanut farmer. Ronald Reagan, who was an actor. Then we had uh, George H.W. Bush, who was an oil man. Then you had Bill Clinton, who was a lawyer. But then you had George W. Bush, who was our first NBA president. And he was also an oil man and a baseball team owner. Then you get to Barack Obama. He was an attorney who entered politics and shot up very rapidly. Then you move on to Donald Trump, who was a real estate developer, who then moved into the entertainment industry, uh, was one of the few presidents we've had elected with no actual public service experience. And uh, now you have Joe Biden, who is an interesting character because he, he does have a law degree. He got it from Syracuse University of College of Law in 1968, but he doesn't have a J.D. So... Uh, and then another article, because I researched this very briefly uh, while you were telling us about your life story, Joe Biden is the 27th president who is, who is counted in the lawyer category, even though he doesn't have the JD. So hmm. 45 people have held the office and only 27 of them were lawyers. And you just saw how most of the presidents in my own lifetime were not attorneys. So my entire premise for being there was flawed to begin with. <laughs> and sometimes we don't discover this until later on. And when we have, actually have the chance to go out and test things and find where our brilliance and passion really lay. Sometimes it is that childhood dream and you really just need to stick with it or come back to it. And sometimes you find out the childhood dream was driven by something else. As far as me wanting to be president, I don't want to be president anymore. I want to be the person who donates the money to help select the president. I think mm -hmm. there's more power and less risk in that. So that's what we're going to work on today. Now, <laughs> First question for you. Let's get into the topic here. Uh, you claim that this is actually a really good time to be a business loan broker. Why do you say that? Uh, because the alternative lending industry has been exploding since 2008 recession. Uh, it's been around uh, before that, but the first time people started paying att attention to it uh, as we're going through the 2008 period where banks restricted funding even more than they usually do, right? I mean, I'm sure you have stories about the traditional banks. I have a ton of them. And yep. Anyone that I know has dealt with them. So when it comes to taking your money on a daily basis, they're really happy when it comes to giving it back or loaning you money. All of a sudden, that whole attitude changes and you need to be referred to a business manager, a loan broker, whoever that is, that you can't really get a hold of that much. Um, so then people, well, obviously, banks not serving them doesn't change the need for money. At the end of the day, businesses do need money and most of the businesses who need money are small businesses, not your major corporations with board of directors and all that stuff. They have access to private funding and so, so many other things that they can get a hold of money from. Uh, it's, you know, your mom and pop, your bagel shop, the restaurant, your deli. Well, they don't, maybe they have a couple of friends they can loan them money, but they're the ones who need money for operations, for growth, heck, for survival. That's when, you know, the alternative lending, um, got its kind of first debut. And since then it's been growing. So back then it was a couple of billion dollar industry. Now it's a $3 trillion industry. And although unfortunate it is, we're going through a pandemic. Um, the industry has strengthened through the pandemic because again, banks restrict funding even more and more. Uh, although alternative lending industry still provided uh, a massive, I mean, literally billions of dollars of funding to small businesses and startup. 
Uh, so you can choose to be on the receiving end as a small business or as a startup. Also, you can just, if you're an entrepreneurial person, you can think of this as the biggest opportunity because you're honestly offering the sexiest product on earth, which is money. And we don't, people do not have, you know, um, preconceived judgments against alternative industry as they did before. If you go to United Kingdom or Europe before, although the, the system still exists there, people never heard of it. So they're really suspicious of getting funding from anything but the banks. But in the United States, that has been changing. So the job of a broker has been a lot easier than it is 10 years ago. So anyone, that's, that's, that's why I make that strong claim that anyone who's thinking about starting a business, if you're that person, you definitely at least take a look at the business model before you decide to do something else, such as real estate, e-commerce, or whatever else you, you're looking into. You know, uh, I, I became a full-time entrepreneur in 2005, and mm. uh, although my business took off very quickly, yeah, you know, I had uh, I, you know, once I got those business credit cards, I used them, and I got a line of credit, and I used a good bit of it. So in two, so in two thousand eight, I put it out there that I might be looking for a business debt consolidation loan, which triggered loan officers showing up at my home office without an appointment or without announcements with <laughs> business loan paperwork pre-filled out. Wow. All I needed, all I needed to do. See, they rem they remembered all the stuff I gave them when they when I did the initial consultation calls over the phone and just typed it into their form. I mean, my even you know my business's tax ID was, number was there and everything else. It was ready. All I had to do was give them the number I wanted, and from my home office, they made a telephone call, got the number approved, and I signed on the dotted line. Okay, this was relatively early in 2008, as you probably would have guessed. Yeah. So I took a five-year debt consolidation loan, wiped everything clean, uh, paid off that loan on time, never missed a payment, never late, paid it off on time. And you know, in the meantime, you know, 2008 to 2013 happened. And I don't think that our listeners need to know too much of an explanation because I think most of us get it. So 2013 comes along and yeah, I have some more debt I'd like to consolidate. So I thought, what do you think I said? I said, let's do it again. Mm -hmm. I went back to the banks and said, you know, that's, and, you know, and, and I started with the one where I had the original debt consolidation loan. I said, you know, that one debt consolidation loan was so much fun. I just want to do it again. Now, this time I was treated like I was committing a criminal act by even asking. Uh, they, and I think you're going to actually reveal the answer when I ask the question that follows up on my story here. Uh, I discovered after the fact that I had already been denied even before they started the application process. And uh, yeah. I think you're going to tell me one of the reasons why. And the fact you said, yep, means you know where I'm going with this. So, uh, but in the meantime, they were also under obligation to make it look like they were treating me fairly. Now, by treating me fairly, uh, that meant sending me on endless wild goose chases. And my answers to the questions were never good enough. So finally, we get to the part, remember, a state business debt consolidation loan, where yet another so-called underwriter butts into the conversation through my broker and wants to know why I have a student loan. That was her question. Why does your client have a student loan? <laughs> now, I was 36 years old. I'd completed my MBA 11 years beforehand, which was completely debt financed. And what 36-year-old doesn't have a freaking student loan unless right. you went to a trade school? Or you didn't do the education route at all, which is some people's choice. So at this point, I was just so fed up with the freaking thing. And, and by the way, Oz, this was after they had already attempted 
to make my student loan balance, you know, my personal student loan balance count three times, not once, but three times in triplicate against my debt to income ratio for the business, they finally get around to asking why I have the student loan. So at this point, I put it in writing. I said, the reason I have a student loan is because in 2000, I decided to pursue my master's in business administration, human resource administration at Duquesne University. Therefore, I needed money to fund the tuition and the books. So I took out a student loan and used it as seed money to launch the meth lab that generated the money I needed to pay for the education. They threatened to refer me for criminal prosecution and told me that if I wasn't going to take the process seriously, I should have never contacted them in the first place. At this point, I told the broker, who was just as frustrated as I was, that I said, look, I'm not even, I'm not even going to participate anymore. If they want to keep asking questions, make up answers in my name. I don't give a shit. I'm done. Yeah. And at that point, I have occasionally had other banks that I've dealt with say, hey, we notice you have a business. You should apply for a loan. I said, no, no, not going to do it. You people have shafted me so bad. I don't even, I don't even count you as a factor. You're here to make sure you're here to provide me an account so that when I have automatic charges debited for stuff I pay for, it gets processed. I don't want you for anything else. That's how I feel. Uh, and, I, and I know a lot of folks who feel the exact same way. So let's get to that problem. Why is it so difficult for small businesses to get approved for loans? Um, I mean, it, it, we can look at a couple of different factors, but the first thing is banks are not really designed to loan money to small businesses, traditional banks, right? Yeah. So that's why they have branches all over the place, closest place to you, because they want, they want to take your money, not give money back to you. Their loan department is designed, that's why they have multiple level, layers of underwriting, is to provide money to mid-size to large-sized businesses. But before 2008, they didn't mind doing that because even if they had any losses, they would just be able to write it off through the government and they knew that someone was going to bail them out. So that was the right. process. But the bailout process was so painful for them. Some of them came to the urge of literally just getting destroyed um, and they still yep. got the money. Uh, now they're like, oh, we got to take this more seriously. So to your point, they know from the get-go that they will never approve probably 80 to 85% of small businesses for any type of loan. The reason they even entertained the idea is to have the to have their ducks in a row so they don't deal with a lawsuit or discrimination or anything like that. So they still accept your paperwork. They yep. still come up with reasons to say, hey, Adam, well, you, guess what? You have a student loan. Did you know that? Well, who doesn't? Well, it doesn't matter. So we're going to count it against you. Oh, you, there's a car payment. Well, who doesn't have a car? Well, yeah. you're going to count it against you. Guess what? So it's they, they, they've been training the entire humanity on what matters and what matters more or less for their credit. They modify the entire credit valuation process for specifically for small businesses. And that number of the clients have been going up. So between, you know, 2008 and 2016, they were approving about, you know, 30% of the loan applications, which is horrible when you think about it. Like they, yeah. they accept 100% of them, but the approval process is 30%. Now through the pand pandemic, the, the decline rate uh, went up to 86%. So the approval is like 14%. And there was an article actually on uh, Wall Street Journal uh, about Wells Fargo. So a couple uh, small, I think, microbrewery in Brooklyn, they apply for a loan. They said, sure, well, you know, why not just bring this paper, you know, submit this tax return and all that stuff. It took literally 10, um, 10 weeks for them to come to a decision. And that decision was no. And it was a letter in the mail. So when you think about it, 
small businesses cannot afford to wait 10 weeks to replace their fridge or <laughs> make the payroll yeah. do this. So it's not like they make their plans quarterly. Something breaks, you got to freaking go get that fixed. And when you're short on money, you got to make the payroll. So the current model, the banking system is not, is not even flexible to fit the needs of the small business. Like to your point, they know that they're not going to approve most people, but they just can't say it out loud. For that reason, they still promote saying that, hey, apply here and we'll make sure that someone is going to get back to you. But we know what happens after that, you know? Yeah, I've, I've seen it firsthand and have numerous others. You know, you mentioned Wells Fargo. I had an experience with them too. Uh, I, and I'm not going to say the name of the uh, institution that ran me around in 2013 because I have other relationships with them. But with Wells Fargo, I have no problem saying their name. Uh, here's, here's what happened with them. Not long after I moved to Las Vegas in 2013, I picked up and moved across three time zones. So even though I had a sizable moving budget, once mm-hmm. I got here, I found out I needed things. And I opened up a, a checking account with them because I needed a local bank, you know, because everybody needs a local bank uh, for my personal stuff. And uh, the teller said, hey, have you thought about getting a credit card with us? And I thought, oh, okay. Uh, I do have some moving. I do have some move to a new town stuff that I need to do very quickly here. And I'd like to have a card with you just so that I could float it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said, oh, that's perfect. And I had me fill out the application ran me through uh ran me through hot coals and i don't mean the fake hot coals at tony robbins seminars i mean the kind that'll actually hurt you um even when you don't stop and take selfies which you're not supposed to do uh so uh (laughs) so in the in the end it gets to the point where they actually did approve me for the credit card and then Mm -hmm. i find out two hours later oh by the way another underwriter reviewed your case again and they changed their mind and so I said, okay, so give me the name of that underwriter so I can tell them what I think of them. And they wouldn't do it. So my response was, okay, well, if, uh, if uh, you're not going, if you're not, if you're going to back their play when they shaft me and make you a liar, I'm going to take it out on you. So I put a Yelp review up uh, saying that the person I dealt with at Wells Fargo had processed my paperwork, gotten approval for the underwriters. And then they told me that they just said, now nah, I'm just not just going to, I'm just not going to give it to you because I don't feel like doing the rest of the work. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to teach them a lesson. Now I did take the review down after they did their uh, customer recovery with me, but I still didn't get the card. So then I find out that Wells Fargo had gone and opened credit cards and bank accounts for people who had never asked for them. And yeah. this is my show. So I'm allowed to say this, uh, I, and this is what our listeners actually tune in for when I occasionally do stuff like this. So my point, uh, when, so when uh, about six months later, when the same branch manager who knew my name, but apparently not my face, I was you know, in, their, in their branch and I was depositing a paycheck from my company and said, oh, I see that this is coming from your company and your signature is on both sides. So you're a small business owner. Yeah. Well, have you thought about getting a small business loan with us? And I said, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and then and then I walked out, and then I came back later and told her exactly why I said that. And she, I, I think I think it probably prompted her to rethink her career choices, what industry she was representing. Mm-hmm. And that was my reaction to Wells Fargo when I heard that. So um, I do have a personal checking account with them. I feed it with an eyedropper. It's just there to make sure that when stuff gets debited for my for my daily and monthly living expenses, it doesn't bounce. Right. Uh, and that's my opinion towards many traditional banks these days. Now, as far, now as far as yeah, now as far as the small business stuff, 
one thing that was revealed to us in one of our other episodes, and this is, I found this very interesting, is you know, many small business owners work from home. So what they do is they don't have their mail sent to their home address for a combination of corporate veil and privacy issues. So they'll get a, they'll get a mailbox at like a UPS store where it'll have an official sounding address. I have one of those too, and I'm very candid about it. People have actually looked up 7500 Westlake Mead Boulevard, Suite 307, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89128 and on Google Maps, and they've seen the UPS store right in front of them. Yeah, okay, I do it. I've discovered, and it's been revealed to me, that there is a database of information with indicators for small business loan applications. And one of the first things they look for is what address are you putting on the application? And if that, and if that address matches any of the UPS store or FedEx store or any have a corporate mailbox here type addresses, which are all in their database, uh, you can just forget it. They'll still go through the process to yank your chain, but you're not getting a dime. That's 100% true. And not only that, I think we're going to talk about it, but it, it also impacts your business credit as well. Um, and it also impacts if you can get your uh, Google business page approved uh, for someone to leave a Google review to your page. And Google yes. is really strict. So it has many negative implications, although it really shouldn't because, I mean, why would you want to put your home address uh, when it's your primary residence and it's not a business address? Do you want just random people stopping by? Uh, unless you know, unless that's what you do, you're selling something from your home or something like that. So I'm they, not. You're not, and most people <laughs> are not, right? So although we're given that freedom to work from home and have, if uh, you know, home office and you know, claim that on our tax returns, we can't really use that, and it's it it, it, it has negative impacts and implications on many other areas. It's tough to make sense out of it. Right, right. So um, now what I'd like to do is, and this is where. And this is the point in our conversation where it becomes less of me telling my stories and more of you educating our listeners. So this is what you've been chomping at the bit for 30 minutes waiting for. Um, let's, first of all, bifurcate uh, you know, personal credit versus business credit. Many mm-hmm. small business owners actually are not even aware that there is the ability to develop a separate credit profile that does not touch their FICO or their Experian or anything like that. That is specifically about accessing high-level credit for their business, even if their business is relatively small. So if you could bifurcate that for us and introduce us to the concept, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Most businesses think that that's only available to big businesses, right? When Amazon yeah. is you know, renting their warehouse or if Elon Musk is buying a new uh, place for, for his like uh, new businesses and all that stuff. But it's been around for a while, even for a small business to build their business credit under the business name, not under their personal guarantee, their own social security number and their personal name attached to it. It is possible, but the process on how to do that has been really secretive, right? Up until recently for the past couple of years. Now, more and more people know about it uh, for a couple of reasons. Well, the first one is timely. People are really tired of dealing with the credit scores and how unfair it is that we're, uh, we're you know, um, getting taken advantage of because you have some kind of payments, right? You're offered that as an option. When you take that on, it shows as a negative implication, but the same people who own a business uh, it is actually appreciated that you owe money to credit cards and you have monthly payments. So it does right. have the opposite effect. Uh, so that's why uh, it's been kind of our mission to help people understand the difference as a small business owner, which make up, makes up more than 70% of the economy. 
uh, is that when you first start out, maybe it's normal that you're starting out with your personal credit card. But as yeah. soon as you have an actual legitimate business, it's really, really important that you start working on establishing your business credit. And when you do that, your business is treated as an entity on itself and it developed its own credit, credit valuation. Uh, some of the, your listeners might have heard of Dun & Bradstreet, right? Yes. Dun yes. & Bradstreet is pretty much what Experian is to for, for business owners. They collect information about you, data about you to uh, measure your credit worthiness, not you, but your business's credit worthiness. And they they have a score, business credit score. So unlike personal score, this score ranges from zero to um, 100, the higher it is, uh, so better credit that you have. So we can talk about some of the things that you can do, especially if you're planning to start a business, if you're brand new. One thing that we already mentioned that, uh, so if you if your legal business address is your home address, you're working from home. Many people are doing it through the pandemic and they're not going back to the physical offices anymore, most of them at least, right? So right. that creates an inconsistency in, in, in the records of Dun & Bradstreet, right? So they want consistency everywhere online. So they can say, hey, this is an actual company. It's worthy of them to start building their business credit. What that means is whatever address you're using needs to be consistent. So they don't like virtual offices. I know a lot of people. And when we first started the business, we used to do that. We used to hire a virtual address from like WeWork or a couple of other places like that by like by paying a small monthly payment. They don't like that either. They usually want you to show whatever the business address is everywhere on the internet, meaning that it needs to be spelled the right way. Even the capitalization where you use your, uh, you know, periods and commas, if you're spelling, uh, you know, if you're using abbreviations such as RD for road, it has to be same everywhere, right? So uh -huh. down in Street, they, they can't be like, oh, we only see two records of this company because of the address variations, there might actually be 50 records out there. So things like this, you gotta look up your company and see how search engines captured your information. That's also same for your business name. So I see so many businesses, especially service businesses, like it could be a plumber. When you look them up, Google is under their legal company name, Joe the Plumber LLC, but their website is, you know, mainplumbing.com. And then yeah. they have like three variations of their name. That's really, really bad, right? So for you to get qualified for higher credit limits under the business name, the first thing, the very first thing you need to do is have consistency of your brand out there. Uh, I can touch on a couple of other things. I don't know if you wanted to make any comments or any questions on that. Uh, two quick things. Um, you make a great you make a great point. So if uh, the website is different than what the company is called, uh, and this is something that's very common. Uh, I'm not telling our listeners anything that is not instantly available on the internet. My umbrella corporation is named Assess Communicate LLC, and for years uh, there was a debate on whether there should be a comma after the word communicate because I. I kept getting it fed back to me different ways. So we've ultimately set the standard that the comma should be there because mm -hmm. I'm also because I'm a fan of the Oxford comma. So why not? Uh, so every time I see Assess Communicate LLC spelled without the comma, I attempt to contact whoever wrote it and uh, have them add the comma because I'm aware of that little point about exactness. Now, that being said, if you have a corporate umbrella, but your brand name is different, uh, it's also been told to me that yeah, you should have some sort of decent looking placeholder website for a domain that matches your corporate name. So I own assesscommunicate.com and we use that for processing backend emails. 
there's like a 15 year old uh, pre WordPress landing page on that as of when we're doing this uh, interview. However, I have recently hired somebody who's in the process of building an up-to-date website for that, even mm. though we don't plan to market it, just so that it explains what the company is and it has a page that references all the brands we control because we control the Business Creators Institute, the Podcast Creators Institute, the Reach System, uh, the books that uh, the books that I've written and published so that uh, is, so somebody actually going to look for that will see, oh yeah, there's a website with that domain. And when I see it, oh, I can see, yeah, this is a business and this is what it does. So you can click any of those links, they can be taken to the various brands and we'll, it's going to have descriptions of the brands and everything else. It's not for marketing, it's for credit prospecting. Yep, 100%. So, so I learned that actually just the other day and, and, that, and that prompted me to hire somebody to do that for me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it because it'll be nice to have a nice looking website under that domain, even though I'll probably never even look at it. But, uh, <laughs> but that being said, and, and, here's an, and here's another quick caution about business cards. And here's another one where I have no problem saying the name. American Express. Mm -hmm. I have an American Express business card. The piece of plastic says American Express business card. When you go to the little part where it has the name, it spells out Assess Communicate LLC. Does that sound like a business card to you? On, on the surface, yeah. On the surface, okay. 15 years being a customer, I built up a very impressive available balance. It was comfortably into the five digits. Mm -hmm. uh, have, you know, the card's almost paid off at this point. Uh, the, um, last year, arbitrarily, they dropped my available balance to $3,500. Here's the reason why. On one of my personal cards, uh, the one that I use to pay the rent and then pay off so that I can get the reward points, yeah. uh, the, the automatic payment mechanism, and I'm saying this with air quotes, got disconnected so that for 45 days, I didn't notice the two payments that I had taken for granted would happen without my intervention got missed. The 45 days is important because you have up to 29 days to fix something. Uh, the, I found out about it because the uh, bank behind that personal card called me. And the moment I got the call, I said, oh, shoot, my, I'm terribly sorry. While I was on the phone with them, I immediately logged in, paid all that money that I had expected them to automatically debit to make it whole. So I was on record as being the, oh, shuck, sorry about that. Here's that money I thought you had. Yep. And then, uh, and then I uh, had myself transferred to their tech support department so that there would be a recording and a documentation of me having, of me going through my online portal, not once, not twice, but three times to verify that my automatic recurring payments were turned back on. So American Express dropped my business credit card limit because of that little common glitch that happened on a personal card. Right. So when I spoke with American Express about this, they said, oh, yeah, you can appeal it. So here's what we need. We need your, we need your personal income filings. We need to know about your personal investments. Uh, uh, if you could tell us about your social security number. And I said, wait a minute. That's personal information. Uh, this is business we're talking about. And I'm going to tell you the exact phrase that the person said to me next. They said, we don't care about assess communicate. This is a business card and using the name of my business, my incorporated entity 
said that they don't care about it. Yep. The point being is also check your credit reports and check and see if those cards that you think are business cards are being counted in your revolving credits on your personal side. Because I discovered another one that was being counted that way. So they may say the name of your business, but they may not be business cards. Yeah. So, here, so, here, so, here's, so here's the part where I ask you how to tell the difference and how to do it right. Well, most people, when they start their own business, they apply for the business credit cards because it's promoter, right? Hey, apply for Amex. Now you own a real business. It's time that you have a real business credit card, which is yeah. Amex, right? And you know, you, you'll be able to tell that you're not really applying for a real business credit card through the application process because the entire application process is about you, like your name, your address, your social security number, your income, Sure, they ask about your business's revenue, business name, and sometimes a tax ID number, but that's kind of almost irrelevant. They just want to have it for the records. It's like an in-between card. So what you can do is you can still apply for it, get your American Express started, and apply after you uh, pay a couple of months uh, worth of payments, call Amex and tell them you want to uh, transfer this card over to your business. And they, they can do that over the phone, uh, granted that you're actually taking some steps to prove that that business is actually valid it's up and running so the first thing we said is the consistency on the address the second thing is you need to have a legitimate website like an actual website for the business if yeah. you tell them, hey, i have a business i'm making a lot of money and if they can't really see an online presence like an actual website it's not it's no good the third thing is have a professional email with your company name ending with your company name if yep. it is muhammad at gmail.com, that's not good enough. What no. domain name? So if you, when you buy your domain name, a lot of times it just comes free with that, like free emails. Even if you choose not to use it for a business, get it, have it actively uh, present and activated and all that. And like you touched on before, any domain name relevant to your business, buy them. If you see adamhami.com, just buy that. I and have it. You have it, right? I, I do have like 20 domains. And guys, it's not, it's not expensive, right? It's like $2. Oh, it, it, it's, it's like $10 a year. And there is a website at adamhomey.com. It, uh, it's uh, for positioning for my speaking and things like that. So, um, and you can get a site done like that for $1,000. It'll look real nice. Yeah. Hundred percent. So it's going to gain value over time and all that stuff. It's still like a real estate investment, honestly. So you yeah. certain domains. But the other thing is that doesn't mean oh now you're going to deal with building ten different websites. Not really. You can have each of that website forward to your main website. So the point is when someone lands there, it's forwarding. So it's showing consistency that oh all of this is under the umbrella of whatever the business name, public name you're using, right? Yeah. But when you have that, when you have all of that. Uh, definitely call Amex and tell them, hey, I just noticed that this card has my personal name on it. I want to get an actual business name under my business account. And they're going to do, you know, they're going to transfer you to a totally different department. That's when you know that you're not actually talking to Amex business. <laughs> you're talking to yeah. somebody else. Like when we made that switch, I currently have probably five different Amex cards all under the business. Um, it, it the, 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 uh, it almost feels like you're talking to a different company. I have my own business manager from my local area here in this local geography. I have yeah. a cell phone number. Then you have other people that you can call and request a 
they kind of pamper you. But if it is just good old Amex, you just dial a 1-800 number and whoever answers from India or Philippines, they, they try to help you out. So it's like a massive, massive difference. Just because you see your yeah. company's name on a card does not mean that you're building business credit. It's really, really important. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I also mentioned American Express partially because I want to take a swipe at it, but partially because I also want to make that point that you just made right there because there's a, there's a positive side to it. That sure. is... What you just said is that you need to be clear about what you're asking for. You need to be very cognizant of what that application is actually asking for because it'll give you clues. I, I learned I, I was that how I had that explained to me. So, uh, you know, in in I want to be an entrepreneur 101, one of the most common give me check boxes is get an American Express business card. There's just something about American Express. I don't know. It's just the, the way they branded themselves that when you have a card with American Express as an entrepreneur, that's like a rite of passage. Okay. So, but at the same time, as you clarified for us, uh, they may have the word business on it, but it's not necessarily a business card, but there is another way to get a true business card. And that's actually what I'm working on right now. Uh, along with this whole credit building thing. I actually circled back to the issue very recently when I, when I began paying more attention to business credit, which is why I'm so glad I have you here today. Uh, now, the next thing that I was you know, curious about here is uh, you know, there is a few other things having to do with uh, this whole thing with business credit and what have you. So, you know, I'll give you another example. I have, a, I have one of those Best Buy cards that I use for, uh, and the only thing I use it for is buying computers for the business. Every three years, we need a new laptop. I just swipe that one and I take advantage of the 18 month no APR so that uh, I save money on the interest. Woohoo, exciting, right? Uh, that one counts against my personal revolving credit because I don't have a proper Best Buy business card. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm aware, and this is what I'm working on, that once you build your business credit, you can go to companies like Amazon. Best buys and one that comes up a lot in these conversations, yeah. Sam's Club, uh, Target, all the places where you would think that are right there in your neighborhood that if you need to run and buy something for your business real quick, they probably have it. And you can get actual business cards with them that will not count against your personal revolving and will be building your business credit profile. So just so our listeners have a list, what are the things we need to have in place and what are the things we need to be working on to develop? So that we go get those business cards, uh, the chances of approval are high and we know what we're asking for. Yeah, I think we, we touched on a couple of things you need to have in place, such as your address, your website, your email, yeah. domain, and all of that, right? Which you need to have anyways for, for your business. We're not right. asking for anything extra. And the next thing is going, going to Dun & Bradstreet website and getting your Dun & Bradstreet number, which is free. So you go and type in your business and that's actually where you can see if you're... If, the system even recognizes your business, the existing of your business, existence of your business, because I know a lot of people who've been in business for 10 years and they kind of get shocked that they have built zero business credit, like nothing, although they might have made millions of dollars worth of sales. My hands up, my hands up, my hands up. I'm on DNB and I just uh, and I just did the profile reservation thing. So I didn't know it was a thing. Yep. So that's, yep. you know, once you get that number, because before you apply to your Best Buy and Target and Staples and all those places, because they're going to look for that, right? So once you get in there, it's going to tell you the mistakes that you have. Also, you, you need to have that. It's like a must have for every business out there. Once you do that, then it's not 
what cards you can apply it is in what order you apply them right everyone wants uh-huh. to best buy card but if you if you're like brand new green and you go to best buy and tell them hey i want to get a business credit card most likely you're going to get declined um, because you need to have what's called a, a few trade lines so a few companies reporting back to dun and Bradstreet saying that hey this guy actually yeah he bought stuff from us uh, through a business credit, he paid back on time. Yeah, he's definitely credit worthy for you to approve them, right? Kind of similar yeah. process to personal credit, but the implications are way better because, for example, in your situation, Adam, if it was a truly personal credit, Amex would have never dropped your um, you know, uh, credit limit. That, that doesn't happen in business cards, right? Yeah. But glad that you're, uh, you have balances due, that you're p- making payments on a monthly basis. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah, other than that little glitch, I'm perfect for timely payments because that because I know that even if your situation is wrecked at the moment, if right. you if you have every payment at least on time, even if you're only making minimals, you're going to have most likely some green indicators on your on your FICO. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first thing is like uh, your audiences might have heard of this company or not, Uline.com, right? So they are- big, I've heard of it. Yeah, so they're big on uh, you know, selling stationaries, box, tapes, whatever, uh, staple, anything that we usually buy for our business, it's important uh, that you shop from them. Even if it's for like $100, $150, doesn't really matter. But there's a key distinction. When you're creating your account, you want to certainly- put in the company name as you, as it appears on everywhere else, like, like we mentioned, right? So because yeah. you want to put yourself on net 30, net 30, meaning that you're going to order some stuff, you're not going to pay right now, you're asking them to invoice you as a business, right? So you yeah. go ahead and pick some stuff, put it on the shopping cart, build your business profile, then definitely choose net 30. Do not go ahead and pay with a credit card, even if you might have a business credit card. That's not the point. You want to have trade lines for billing you with net 30, net 60, net 90. You want to make those payments, although it's only $50. doesn't really matter. You choose that, then Uline doesn't even question who you are and what business you do. They complete your order, ship everything to you, and, and you get an invoice in the mail under your business name, and you make that payment. Now you have one trade line. Then you start adding more to it, and once you have... 10, 15 of them, and it might sound a lot, but it's really not. When you have 10, 15 of them, like through Best Buy and all the other places, that's when you get offers, like credit card offers, like you're receiving personally right now. But like if you apply for a credit card under your personal name, um, even if your situation is amazing, maybe you're going to get like a five-digit card. Like they're, they're going to approve you for like thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, which is a big deal on the consumer end, right? If someone has a $50,000 credit limit credit card, that's a lot. But on the business end, now we're going to get offers for $200,000, $300,000, $500,000 credit cards that some of them do not even have any interest. And they're okay for you to hold a balance beyond 30, 60, 90 days and make payments. That's when things get really, really serious. Because if you want to build a seven or eight figure business, you cannot wait to make a million to invest, to make more millions. You want to leverage other people's money, right? Usually this is misquoted. When someone says other people's money, they think of just applying for a personal credit card and getting like a 24% interest on it and, uh, you know, taking that out as a cash advance. That's not what they mean. Other people's money is like how the big companies are doing. 
get really, really almost low interest, no interest funding. It could be 100,000, 200, 300,000. Invest it back into the business, which you know will make more money if, you, if you're running a successful business, then pay back long term. All of that keeps, you're, you're in like this upward spiral almost. Like it just everything you do adds more to your credit score. Then you're, you're in the big boys league that you can even buy a house through a business credit let alone just doing it, you spending it for your business. You can start doing personal things with that as well. Yeah, let me, uh, let, and this is for our listeners, let me just make a quick point. Uh, you mentioned Uline. This is something else that's been recently introduced to me. So I actually am in the process of getting set up with them. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some things, if you work from a home office, what are some things you need? You need a desk, you need yeah. a chair, you need, you need scotch tape, you need pens, uh, you need envelopes, uh, you need, uh, uh, you, need uh, you know, I mean, maybe even, uh, let's see, you need to, like, uh, let me see if they have it here real quick. Let me just look this up. Because uh, I'm on their website right now. Uh, oh. Yeah, you need, uh, yeah, you want a separate stand for your computer. Uh, you want a laptop tray when you're sitting on your couch. I mean, all these things are at Uline. Uh, you could go pick them up at Target. Or you can get them at Uline. It's, it's the same stuff. You're just getting from a different place. And if you're doing it through Uline, now you are building that business credit profile. So one of the things is I'm in the market for a new desk for my home office. I'll get a desk from them. They have good desks. That's just one example. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, when I first started, I was even buying gifts for other business owners. And I know like I was ordering boxes for them just to build a business credit because normally I would buy it anyways. Right? Why not buy it from them? So don't look for the perfect thing to buy. Just work on building your business credit because it's going to pay you dividends for the life of the business and even beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. So just, yeah, just, I mean, Uline is a great one because I want to give our listeners something easy they can start working on here is, yeah, they have, I mean, uh, they also have things like janitorial supplies and things like that. Even if you don't have a physical office, does your home office need cleaned? Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I I would hope so. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I mean, there's just there are just so many things here. I mean, you need you need a new set of shelves. They they have shelves there. Um, are you mailing books from your home? They have boxes to put the books in. There's lots of stuff that you can do right now. Things you're probably using at the moment. Oh, you need boxes. Are you moving? Uh, you just need to pack away some stuff in your closet. They have boxes. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to uh, find things to, to, to use if you go through their site. I mean, Adam, you just looked through their site, right? And you found yeah. things that you can use. Yeah. The, 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 all, this, all these items I mentioned, I looked up while you were talking. Yeah. That's how easy this is. So it's not like you, we got to get creative on what to buy and waste our money. It's just, you know, if you're in business or if you're in, even if you're not in business, you're thinking about it, you'll find stuff to buy. <laughs> yeah, correct. So, uh, so what else do we need to consider? I know we have just a couple of minutes left here. Um, I just want to give our listeners, uh, you know, something of a check, checkbox or checklist. And you've already given us a lot of great things we can just pounce on right now. Uh, is there anything else we might want to consider? Some low hanging fruit that somebody could do this afternoon? to get working on their business credit? Because I want people actually out there working on this today. I think I would definitely, many people are not really aware how they look online, their own presence, right? I would just check against different browsers and your phone to search your own business to see what comes up under that, right? Because that's what the creditors are looking at. That's really, really important. You want to have consistency. So yeah, you want to look at directories and whatnot to make sure that 
your name actually appears. So I had this one case that this gentleman is in business for a few years, right? And he's, he's inquiring about business credit. We look him up, nothing comes up about him, like literally nothing, like zero, as if he doesn't even exist. Well, let me find out that Google actually banned his domain name because his website was hacked like two years ago and yeah. Google supposedly sent emails and they didn't communicate back and forth. So he was banned from search engines altogether. And this poor guy, is, he has a website out there. He, he thinks uh -huh. all of that going. So what others see out there is more important. And don't forget that you want to do it in incognito mode because Google customizes your searches. So if you keep searching yes. yourself, the results you see, if Adam is searching his name, what he'll see is way different than what I will probably see if I search him for the first time, right? Correct, correct. And yeah, if you find out your website's banned, that's also an easy fix. Start a new website with a different web host. Yeah, 100%. So there, those yeah, are- Yeah, even if, even if you're still marketing the one you already have, get another one under a different web host and a different IP address so that it starts showing up on search engines. That, that makes like, that's something you can literally just find variations of your company, buy those domains. It's going to take you 10 minutes, like whatever yeah. is known as buy them, stack them up and hire someone from fiber.com to set up forwarding. If you don't know how to do that, give like hire someone from fiber. It's going to cost you $5 or $10. Tell them I want everything forward to my main website and have yeah. them set it up and you're done. You don't need to build 10 different websites. Even doing that one step will ensure you that without even you knowing about it, you're still building business credit, some kind of presence out there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anything else? Anything else? Um, anything else? Well, I, I think we talked about the email. Like I, I want to touch yep. on those common things, like have, have business email and actively yep. use it um, for, for your brand. And, you know, I, I think the building business credit is like a rinse and repeat process. Just keep adding more trade lines to it. Um, and if you're buying local supplies from anyone out there, although they might not be big companies, your vendors, ask them to build. This is one of the most common mistakes businesses make. I used to work with a lot of restaurants in New York City and this vendor comes in and they bring drinks, right? That's what they do. And they invoice you and the invoice has the business owner's name on it. And I'm like, why does this have your name on it? And he's like, I don't know. We set it up that way years ago. It's still that it's the same way. So this, you know, company this might not be a massive company that's going to have a huge effect on your business credit, but they're still invoicing you and you're paying them, but it doesn't have the right business name on it, or it has your name on it. So whoever you're buying stuff from, make sure that they build the business only, not anything else or not your personal account or not one of the old businesses out there. So go through that and make sure that everyone is aware of your actual uh, name when they're billing you. Absolutely. All right. So we're near the top of the hour. And I know that there are so many more questions hanging out there. And I do want to, since I, we know this is a growing thing, uh, what is the next step for those who hang on the edge of their seat wanting more of this? Uh, like how do they contact you? Uh, what do you have for them? How does this go? Yeah, we do have a free training on this where they can learn a lot more about it, which is on our website, businesslendingblueprint.com. Yep. They will find information on how to become a business loan broker if they want to monetize their knowledge. Once they learn about building business credit or learning about alternative lending, they can be on the broker side without needing any license or without needing any sales experience or marketing experience they can uh, help other businesses get access to capital. Because Adam, um, what, what's happening right now is the demand is way more than the supply. So in yes. certain business industries, there's more people trying to 
uh, compete in that business than the, than the demand. In alternative lending, it's the opposite. Right now, the demand is about $3 trillion between the United States and Canada. And alternative lending is funding about like half a billion, right? So there, yes. and most people are not even informed about their options when it comes to funding. Sometimes people think that, oh yeah, all, all I can get is like merchant cash advance, which is an alternative lending product with very high interest. But they're I'm not familiar a, with those. Yeah, you are, right? So it's one of the last resorts that you would have to go through. It is still a good option for the right customer. But there are a dozen other products. Some of them are only like four or five percent interest. But the business owner doesn't really, really know about the options, and they either wait for the bank or they just think that they're out of options, which can cause um, the livelihood of their businesses. So it's really important whether you do anything with this or not. I think the the lesson you can get out of this is just be more informed. At least check out the site and learn more about it. If you decide to become a loan broker, that's awesome. If not, hey, hopefully uh, we were able to show you something you didn't know before. Absolutely. All right. So again, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say your website one more time, businesslendingblueprint.com. It's a really good website. It's very well organized. There are a lot of great resources on it. I know I'm already looking at it and there's a couple of things I'm probably going to jump right into here. So, uh, so let me just find just by saying by Oz Konar, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor. And I say this every time, but this time I really mean it. It's been an education. My pleasure, Adam. Great. Thanks for having me. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.